0: Hey everyone, it's Carol Malinsky here from the Servant Leadership Institute, and welcome to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. We are thrilled to be here this morning. We are continuing um, our investigations into The Art of Servant Leadership 2, the book that our uh, CEO and founder, Art Barter, wrote. And before we get started into the material today, I just wanted to let you all know that we have a free gift for you, for anyone who is listening. Um, If you send us an email to info at www.ServantLeadershipInstitute.com, and write in the subject line, Reflection, you will receive a free author copy of The Art of Servant Leadership too. So that is Art's gift to you today for participating. And speaking of Art, here he is. Hi, everybody.
1: Carol, great to be with you in the studio again.
0: Great to be with Always you fun. as well. Always yep. fun. Yeah. Yeah, we look forward. We actually Art and I look forward to these. I think we we we'd be doing it anyway, even if nobody was listening. You got but it. But we, <laughs>
2: you got <but> it.
0: <laughs> we know, and we're very grateful for all of you uh, who have been tuning into these podcasts. We've really had a lot of fun doing it, and we've got chapters to go. Chapters to so go. Excited yep. about yep. that. Today's chapter is called Reflection. Business reviews of a different nature. And Art, you open the chapter sharing a very old poem called The Guy in the Glass by Peter Dale Winbrow, which was written in 1934. And I know there's a story around this one, so would you share that with our audience?
1: Yeah, you know, let me read the last part of sure. the poem because it, it's one that really hit home for me. And it says you can... Fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartaches and tears Mm. if you cheated the guy in the glass.
2: Mm.
1: And that poem struck me in a way that, you know, if, if I want to become a good leader... And one that on uh, that focuses on serving. The person I have to start with is the one I wake up to in the morning and stare at in the mirror uh, before my day gets started. And, you know, in my career, I never, ever put that person in the mirror in the same perspective that I do today. Mm-hmm. Because reflection is different. I look at business reviews in a different way. Um, And you know, focusing on people instead of profits requires you to think differently and be a different person. And for me, it was about starting with myself. And you know the path we were down. I didn't think that needed to be in the first year or two that we implemented. Because I was still the leader in in the past, I hadn't changed myself yet. So, when I read this poem, I went, "Wow, this is great." Shared it at a conference. Mm-hmm. You know, as I as I was reading that last paragraph, I got goosebumps, and I, it still has an impact on me today. Because you can get everything in the world, but if you're not a best friend with the person in the class, then you don't have it. And so. That's kind of a little bit about uh, my perspective and what I learned is in our business reviews that we had, and we had them every month, um, that it really was about the transformation of the team, the leadership team. The results were talked about but it really was focused on how are we doing in becoming a different type of leader. So. I don't know if that was the story you, lo- you were looking for, or if you want to remind me of what you well, had in mind. Well,
0: I happen to know that one of the things that makes this a very special um, poem for you is also the way you came across this poem.
1: Oh, i have forgotten about because that.
0: Because to me, it's like, because I've experienced actually something similar in my life, it's a message from another generation.
1: It It is, and... Um, you know, when my my mom passed away, um, that was a very, you know, difficult time, but also interesting time. And uh, we had moved my parents into an assisted living uh, a couple of years before. Uh, they lived in an eighteen nineteen hundred 1,900-square-foot home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just packed stuff up and put it in storage. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so we moved a lot of that stuff into one of the warehouses we had and left it there for a while. And uh, I think the following, my mom died in October, the following July, my dad passed away. And I stayed away from that for a while, uh, the stuff that I and I started going through it. And I found this old piece of paper with the old typewriter, like someone had typed this poem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it hit me emotionally, because I wasn't sure if my mom did this, but I remember an aunt who was an English teacher Mm -hmm. that my mom really looked up to and we had a great relationship with. And I think it was her and her English background and teacher she probably typed this poem out and gave it to my mom. Now, it could have been my mom, I don't know, but I found this on an old piece of paper where you actually put paper into a typewriter to <laughs> type it, and you didn't have a backspace where you could type over <laughs> with the white uh, stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, thank you for reminding me about that because it was emotional on a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. And... um I'm so glad I went through that stuff yeah. and found it. I framed it. It's in my office at Datron. Um, and I probably look at it probably three or four times a year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it has a, has a special meaning to me on how, how I came about uh, having exposure to the poem. Now, what was interesting is I looked at it on the Internet, and the gentleman who wrote this poem you know there's some words in it you have to upgrade to today's um environment sure but the family felt it was so important that this poem be shared that on the website they give everybody the right to use it at uh, no cost that's
0: really awesome and
1: so i find the poem and then i also get to read about their family and yeah. and they say the most important thing is to keep passing this on and it's not about the money so you you, you know you you think about the servant leaders back then, find this from their father, and it's more important to pass it on and let people use it. So there's no copyright on this.
0: Yeah, well, that's and that's really
1: interesting. They, they give you permission right on the website. Because yeah.
0: so. yeah. one of the things that struck me as you were initially talking about this was, you know, to me that's, that's part of what being a servant leader is, is this... Stepping beyond just thinking about making money. I mean, you can, lots of people out there want to be good leaders. Right. You know, and they work to become a good leader or however they think that's supposed to unfold. But when you make that decision to be a servant leader, it's almost like you make a commitment and then things just start happening in your mindset. Right. Um, and in your life that support that, that change, that decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fascinating to think about it from that standpoint.
1: It is. You know, you can, you can read all the books you want. Yeah. You can study leadership yeah. from the best uh, of the best. But unless you start implementing it in your, in your own life and thinking about how you need to behave as a leader... right. Um, it doesn't mean much because you've got to bring it to the real world and do things differently. And hopefully, through this podcast and talking about business reviews from a different perspective, right? We can help you as leaders think of things a little bit differently mm-hmm. in your day to day life, in your work that you do day in and day out.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. And it's a, uh, it's, Gratifying to think about it in that way that in some small way we may be influencing other people. So let's talk a little bit about Daytron and business reviews. So we know that at Daytron you've developed different opportunities for leaders to share how they're doing and Mm -hmm. how their teams are doing. Can you share with us a bit about the nature of these business reviews?
1: Yeah, you know, I mentioned we had uh, monthly business reviews. And we had some software that we used, and Mm -hmm. we had five major focuses. And you know, standard business stuff, how much are you gonna book new business? How much are you gonna ship revenue-wise? I think we had some engineering projects in there. But the fifth one was the most important. And it was all about our servant leadership journey. And You know, I never thought about this when I first got started, but how do you measure the transformation of leaders? How do you measure that? I mean, you're not going to find an ROI on people's change. (laughs) You're not going to find some software out there that's going to help you do that. You may have some personality surveys, et cetera, but you're not going to take a survey every month. Right. Uh, Right? I mean, you're not going to do it because people don't change that fast. Right. So as part of that business review... Every month, we required our leaders to go into the software we had and and talk about here's one area that I did really well as a servant leader. And then we also asked them to write an area that they were struggling. Now, Mm -hmm. everybody on the leadership team had access to everybody else's
2: Mm -hmm.
1: report. Um, And it wasn't a report, it was just a couple of lines. Here's where I did great, here's where I struggled. And then every month, we didn't make every leader talk about their performance. What we did was we asked for volunteers to share. And we knew if we asked for volunteers that they would be willing to share. Now, you may have some people who are on an ego trip to go <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: be the center of attention. Yeah. But you know we didn't have that issue with our team. We actually had people right. who wanted to share. And some months, we didn't have people who didn't want to share, and we didn't force the issue. But we did require them every month to do that. And I think, and that included me, and I think that was the start of people being transparent about themselves. You know, the person in the mirror, transparent with themselves. And we all, all had the opportunity to read those, and I think what happened was some people would read each other. We had small groups that we started. We talked about that a couple of times, creating that safe environment for people to exchange. And I think in some of those small groups, they actually challenged some of those individuals on maybe they weren't being as transparent as they needed to be in their monthly, mm-hmm. uh, here's where I did great, here's where I struggled. And so... We did create a couple of different things in our business review where we looked at the transformation of first individually as leaders and then how were we doing as a team, okay. as a leader. Um, so that's those were some of the things we created.
0: Right, and I'd like to add one more thing, which I, I really felt as, as being a participant in that process, that whole review process. You did something that... For me, I remember so very, very well to this day because it changed my thinking and I think it changed a lot of people's thinking. This particular tool we used was your basic stoplight kind of setup, which I'm sure there are many programs that do this. Right. Um, If you got a green light, everything was peachy keen. If you got a yellow, you were heading toward the danger zone. Mm -hmm. And then there was the red, which meant that you were failing to meet whatever that goal was. Right. You said to us very early on, the fir- I think it was the first review meeting if you have a red, you're a hero.
1: Oh, I re- yes, you're right. I remember that. Mm-hmm.
0: And we all, you know, of course, initially we went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. But then you said, your heroes because you are willing to be transparent enough to say, hey, I have a problem getting this done, and I need help. Right. And that, I believe, did a tremendous amount toward changing the way people thought, taking away this this. Uh, feeling you may have grown up with in business where if you don't make your goal you're somehow you know less than Mm -hmm. and you know you're in for big trouble right right and it's an extremely uncomfortable situation and I think it even causes people to um, spin information massage their reports so maybe they don't show things really as bad as they are right right so saying that the people that got reds were heroes mm-hmm. changed that whole dynamic
1: yeah i think that's important that you know our role as leaders is to help people grow yeah not beat them down like the whack-a-mole right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until they're not willing yeah. to, to talk anymore yeah. so um yeah don't practice the whack-a-leader yeah. <laughs> approach right
0: hmm, sounds yeah. like a chapter title yeah,
1: yeah it does a <laughs> new book whack-a-mole leader
0: <laughs> yeah You also, I know, make it a practice art to reflect before business reviews and you make a point in the book about how you include both self-reflection and team reflection. Can you tell us a little bit about each of those approaches, the self-reflection and then the group reflection?
1: Well, you know, as servant leaders, uh, we want to help people grow. We want to help them learn, and we want to utilize the gifts they have. Mm. And so there are questions I ask myself all the time. And when we started those reviews, I I had to ask myself some very interesting questions. One was, what am I doing to help the team? What am I doing to help mm. the team? And today it's a little bit different. I ask myself, what is the most important thing I should be doing today to have the best positive impact on the team. And, you know, some of the examples of that is I don't like paperwork. (laughs) But there are times where the paperwork has to get done Mm -hmm. because I'm holding up the progress of the team. Mm. Um, There's days when I need to go talk to people and I'd rather just be in research because I don't feel like talking to people that day right? We Mm -hmm. will go through that. Uh, the second one, you know, what am I doing to help the team? And that's, you know, I told you a little bit different what I do today, but back then is, is how can I help the team? How can I add value to the team? Now, before you go there, you've got to ask those questions of yourself first. What am I doing to improve? What am I doing to add value to my transformation? And and then you can start asking the team. But when you have a challenge in your organization, the best thing you can do is ask yourself, the person in the mirror, what have I done to create this culture where I've gotten this result? Mm-hmm. And you start with yourself. And I think I've said this before in other podcasts, if I haven't, at times I really don't like the servant leadership approach. And the days I don't like it is because the challenges always come back to me. <laughs> they always come back to me uh, because I have to have to start with myself. So, um, and then there's the flip side of the coin. What am I doing to detract from the team? Mm. And you know how am I not having a positive impact on the team? And you know there's multiple ways leaders do that. If you whack a leader, that's not positive. Right. That's not positive. Um, If you correct people, don't let them finish. If you're not listening to understand um, and people don't feel like you're really listening, you're not adding value to the team and you're actually detracting from it. Um, And today, once you've inspired and equipped people, you need to let them go. Let them go do the job you hired them to do so don't get in the way. And so there's two sides of that coin. What am I doing to add value and help the team? What am I doing to devalue or not help the team? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Again, this is setting apart this servant leadership approach from most leadership approaches. I mean, I don't know because I've never been a CEO, but in working with the group, the common most practiced way is I'm going to go in the room and they're going to show me what they've done. And, you know, I'm either going to be thrilled or I'm going to be upset and I'm going to go tell them to go get better.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: And, you don't think about it from the standpoint of exactly what you brought forth. How am I adding value? You know, what am I doing to detract from the team? Questions like that.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I had an experience early on with my senior leaders. And we had a session amongst us because everybody's transforming at a different rate and a different idea, and we had some things going on between myself and my senior team that weren't positive. Mm -hmm. And finally, one of the individuals on my team asked me, Art, what do you want? What do you want? The old expectation question, right? What do you want? And my response was, what I really want is the same amount of grace from you that I extend to you in your transformation journey. Mm -hmm. And I was telling him, I'm not perfect. And when I'm not perfect, extend me some grace and forgiveness because I extend it to you. And one of the individuals on the team took a couple days and came back and said, Art, you're right. Every time you mess up, you know what? I hold it against you, and I shouldn't. I should be forgiving you and extending the same grace because I've messed up a lot, and you extend forgiveness and grace to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's something you can't put in a business view, <laughs> right? But when you yeah. have an open, transparent environment, you can say things like that, and you can help people get past things. And so sometimes it's not even anything you would even consider in a business review.
0: Right. But it's, when you get yeah. that
1: team environment and you're not clicking, you've got to be open and honest with yourself. And when you're asked questions like that, be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and and that's, tell people.
0: That's more about the real, what is the real culture, right? It is, right. Yeah. It,
1: it is, right. And it, yeah. it, it includes everyone, including the CEO. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, you know, before we go on, I want to just point out to um, our listeners that these questions for reflection are are in chapter five right um, there's a lovely list of um, both the self-reflection and the team reflection so take advantage of that I think they'll be very helpful to you um, at going forward um,
1: and that you know that question is very powerful because um, there's times when I didn't think our culture was moving along fast enough And I'm going, how come people aren't getting it like I'm getting it?
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And I started to study and understand that really I need to start with myself. And I need to ask the question, what have I done to create this culture where this Mm -hmm. result, and most of the time it's a negative result, has been accepted? And what have I done to create this environment of silence? Or what have I done to create this this Culture where leaders can't get together and have fun. Mm-hmm. It's always tense. It's always review. Mm-hmm. It's always and for me that is me to change because I was always looking at my myself first. And that's mm-hmm. why at times I really don't like this cycle where it comes back to me all the time. All right, <laughs>
2: I'm and sure it's stuff you to don't. deal with. So
1: you know, <laughs> the leaders that are listening today, you're not perfect. Yeah, but always start with yourself. What have I done to create this result? And it may lead you down a path you don't want to go. But guaranteed, if you realize that, your team's going to realize that you're starting with yourself first. And that's a very, very powerful thing for Mm. a team to Mm -hmm. uh, understand and appreciate. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And just the other point um, that occurred to me that I want to make is these questions aren't just for the CEO. Okay. Right. Or the head of ops or. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody can use these questions for self-reflection and reflection of how how you are affecting the team and how mm-hmm. the team is doing. Yeah. So just keep that in mind, listeners.
1: And, you know, the, as I was listen, listening to you, what came to my mind was you can ask these questions about any environment you're in, not just the work environment, mm-hmm. your personal environment, your family mm-hmm. environment, um, yeah. et cetera, and so... Yeah, you can use use these questions anywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great point, Art. Um, so let's move on. You share in the book that you developed a fascination for the truth type of environment, which means that people feel comfortable enough to share why they failed to get the results the company needed. Can you tell us how you accomplished that fascination for the truth environment?
1: Yeah, you know, prior to Datron, and even the first couple years at Datron, I had always seen in my career, uh, and this is true with my operations experience, I would, and and along with my finance experience. So I have finance and operations Mm -hmm. experience, and I love to build things. But I'd listen to people within the operations group talk about how they always reduce costs. The standard costs were getting better. I'm building it faster. The costs are going down. And I'd listen to that report card, and i go, wow, this is great. But then i turn and look at the financials, and i go, I don't see our gross margin going up. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, I've got hmm. – th- everybody's feeling good about what they're accomplishing, but it's not flowing through to the results of the business. And when I look back, I thought, do we really – really have a culture where we can tell each other the truth. What's our struggles? Mm-hmm. Why this cost isn't what it is? Um, and usually when a company isn't moving forward, they're having difficulties, that's when people really don't want to talk about really what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do that when every, every, everything is successful and you're growing, generating profits, et cetera. But when things slow down, and they always slow down, or you're not getting the results you expected that's when you really need the truth to come out Um, and so some of the things I practice is when there's a problem on the floor in a product we we had this actually happen five, five or six years ago we weren't making money on a product that we were building for a defense contractor and I saw the leadership team decide they needed to have a meeting in the conference room now I wasn't CEO at the time I had stepped away, but I was still actively involved in the financial side of the business. And I saw the CEO gather all these people upstairs in the conference room to talk about this cost problem. And I got my blue coat on, and you know what I mean by blue coat, it's a lab coat that we have to wear when we go down the floor. And I went down to the line, where we're building the product, and I asked some people building the product, what's going on here? Tell me the problems you have in building this product. Mm and I actually look at the product I I ask them questions and then I listen and you know the result of that is I came away with a much different perspective on what they were facing in building this product and it allowed me to go to this defense contractor about four or five months later and say listen I have to change the pricing on this program or you're gonna have to find a new vendor and here's why now if I hadn't gone down to the floor I couldn't have had that conversation with the program manager and say, I can't do this anymore cause it's not a win-win situation. You're winning and I'm losing and I can't keep doing business that way. And if I didn't have that fascination for the truth and that trust, I wouldn't have gotten that feedback from people on the floor. And you know, I have people all the time tell me what they think I want to hear. And all I want to hear is the truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to play 20 questions to get to the truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right?
1: I, I mean, I, I can do that, but we can be a lot more effective when we have this fascination for the truth. And when you're doing biz, business reviews and you're in that yellow and red that you talked about, you have to be able to talk about what's really going on there before you can improve. And for the leaders that are involved in quality organizations, ISO, what's what do they teach in, in that environment? What's the root cause? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And we've seen teams within Datron say this is the root cause before they've collected any data. And they work for three or four months, and they've made improvements, but the results haven't changed because they didn't identify the root cause. And so the fascination of the truth helps you identify that root cause so you can actually fix the problem, not just do a bunch of work where you don't get the results, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the other thing that kind of fascinates me about that scenario is, you know, when you went to the floor and you talked to the people that were actually doing the work, and I've kind of seen this in action before myself, it's like they're waiting for somebody to ask them what's going on. Right. You know what I mean? They so appreciate it because they may be, it may be something they can see that's actually making their, job more difficult
2: because
0: mm-hmm. it's not right for some reason and they're dying to be able to say you know if we did this this and this right or why can't we do it a different way
2: mm-hmm.
0: or here's how I think we could do it right you know so your point about talking to the right people and bringing the right people to the table is very very true and important
1: and and the step ne- beyond that is Now you've taken the time to get the information. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What are you going to do with it? Are you Mm -hmm. going to listen to the people who build the product day in and day out and go fix the problems they're facing? Or are you going to go, nah, they don't know what they're talking about. I really know what's best, and I'm going to fix what I think needs to be fixed. Yeah, because I've got a
0: drawing right here, and that's what it says.
1: Right. And so you go, you've got to develop that trust to be able to have that fascination for truth and listen to people but then you've got to do something with it, mm-hmm. because if you don't do anything with it, your credibility as a leader goes down. Right. Yeah.
0: And then, of course, you're also setting yourself up for success the next time there's a problem. Right. Once you've you know set up that initial fascination for the truth,
1: mm-hmm. it'll be
0: that much easier to get. Right. The next time around.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So that's that's super.
1: But it, you know it. You know the quality thing. Um, uh, I was trained years ago about getting to the root cause and how you do that. Mm-hmm. But I was exposed to that when I was a power leader. So I looked at that model from a power leader perspective, which was I can make the data say anything I want it to, to make. I'm really good at that. Mm-hmm. So I can pick and choose the data that we collect and go, I we need to go fix this. When you look at it from a servant's perspective, You let the team decide what the root cause is, and you let them go work on what they think needs to be worked on. And we saw this time and time again where, remember the offsite we went to um, early on, and we listed all the stuff we needed to work on in operations. Yeah. And then we did this little exercise on voting, and we got it down to like the five things that we want to really focus focus on. on. We came back the following year with that same big list and started with that and said, how many things did we fix by focusing on five things? And I think, if I remember correctly, about 50% of the items on the big list came off the list because while we focused on the five, it took care of all these other problems, Mm -hmm. right? And when you think about that, that's really, when people really want to focus and work on the five things and you let them go do that you're going to fix a whole lot of problems along the way that you you didn't decide to focus on because they're so interrelated in that environment. Um, And you know, when we're having trouble trying to figure out what's going on, I I always think about the root cause, taking the time to collect data, putting in graphs where you can say, Hey, this is a priority. This is what we need to be working on. And we do that all the time with, you know, product changes, product enhancements, we always look at what we need to do and what's the biggest challenge we have with right. that product. Yeah,
0: and that I would imagine can transfer to any area in the company, not just in a manufacturing environment. Oh, absolutely. That, that concept of you know fix one thing and it may fix twenty other things.
1: Right, right. I, you know, I could do it in in the finance department. Yeah. I could do it in the sales. Yeah. Um, and really, what we're doing this is this this approach is not in the book, but I'm going to give you a little bit about my current thinking is, when you're having challenges, define reality. Mm. Be honest with each other Mm -hmm. and have that fascination for the truth and define what reality is. Then you have to deal with that reality, and then you get to move on. And those are very difficult things to do when a team's not performing. Define reality with the boss in the room. So we did this recently with, with a group, and I knew that if I facilitated that process, I wouldn't create that environment where they could be focused on the truth, mm-hmm. and so I brought in an outside facilitator and let them define it with the facilitator, and I didn't, I wasn't involved with that process because I didn't want to impact their desire to get to the truth. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway.
0: And and you have to, I think, be um, willing to. Look at the situation and be able to decide what is the proper course of action. You know, do I need to step aside and have somebody else come in? Right. I mean, that's, yeah. a lot of people wouldn't go there. <laughs> um, so I'm going to switch gears on you again a little bit. Um, there's another area addressed in this chapter, which is equipping your team with leadership development opportunities from outside your company. And when we talk about this, I know with clients' conferences, we usually get a response like, well, I don't have, you know, that's you have a big budget, we don't have a big budget. Right. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about this concept, and 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 particularly for those leaders out there that may sincerely have a limited budget, what kinds of things can they do?
1: Yeah, you know, back at, at this time when we wrote the book, um, I will tell you, I wasn't that involved in the social media world,
2: mm-hmm.
1: YouTube, um, et cetera. Right. Um, some of the people I admired, the John Maxwell's, the Kim Blanchards, they weren't in the YouTube world. Mm-hmm. Well, today, you can search on both of those. <laughs> you can find all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And it's all free.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's all free. Um, but back then we set a requirement in place number one you had to attend the servant leadership conference and the reason we did that is we wanted you to be around other people who were trying to become a servant leader
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and create relationships but also let the team spend time together in that conference environment which means you have opportunities to have breakfast together you have opportunities to have lunch together go have a drink and then go to dinner together and you Get to see the people that hang out in the social environment, which creates a team environment that lets you get to that openness, mm-hmm. right? And then the second item we we asked the team to do was I want you to attend a conference outside of Datron that has nothing to do with Datron. And the reason we wanted that is we wanted people to have exposure to other ways of doing business. Go talk to people, do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I've heard that this is how it works, and you guys were successful. Go talk about that um, and listen to that. So we wanted an out, outside perspective, but then we also wanted to build the team with focusing on servant leadership. Mm-hmm. Now, today I will tell you that I listen to John Maxwell every day with his video series.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I follow Ken in Facebook Um, I have a couple other leaders that I've been exposed to that I follow in social media. Instagram, um, I've got a group in Twitter. Uh, We've got the Servant Leadership Group that we developed in Facebook. All those together, when I see people talk about what they're doing in Servant, I learn a lot.
2: Mm -hmm. I
1: learn a lot. And just doing the podcast uh, last week, week we had Susan Fowler come in and you guys will hear that podcast when we release it but she talked about how motivation doesn't work and that fascinated me and we talked about that and you know my entire career I said well you got to motivate people Mm
2: -hmm.
1: well times are changing now in that podcast and most of the time when we do a podcast with an outside person and you guys never see this because it's not video I'm taking notes like crazy (laughs) because I'm learning the same time you're learning Mm -hmm. and that part is very very important now you have all kinds of opportunities in this world of information that's accessible through the internet you can listen to leaders from all over the world and I've got my favorite ones that I like to listen to and read and go look at things and so I don't necessarily have to get on a plane and go to a conference and spend the money. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at, number one, I don't like spending a whole day to go back east and then half a day coming home. Yeah. All right. Um, so I can learn from other leaders in the digital world just like this podcast. We're trying to pass knowledge on to you as as listeners and you don't have to pay for it, you don't have you can invest the time download it and listen to it at your convenience right
2: mm-hmm.
1: which we've seen that doing something live and looking at the downloads afterwards right. would give people the the chance to listen to them at at their convenience, and they get to decide when and how to listen mm-hmm. to them and so the world has changed quite a bit in that environment, but I will say there's nothing like going to a conference where you have an opportunity to listen to some of the best leaders in the world. Because most of the time, a conference is going to bring in great stories yeah. and great success. You're not going to go to a conference and hear about all the people who didn't make it.
2: <laughs> um,
1: and the good conferences will give you a chance to interface with the people at the table or interface right. with the speakers. And, you know, that's what we, we did with the, with the conferences. We, we wanted people to interact. With others and with speakers. Mm -hmm. That was important to us. So anyway, I probably went a little extra on that question. No,
0: that's fine because you actually brought in, um, you know, bringing in the digital aspect is really, really important. And I think it's changed so much just even since we started, you know, it's changed. Right. And, you know, so the only difference is there's something you like, you want to listen to or look at digitally get the department together sit them down t- spend some time together and you know enjoy whatever that teaching or message is right and then discuss it afterwards right. and you will be doing leadership development with your team
1: exactly exactly and you know we have people who listen to us that work within daytron yeah and you know Caroline just sit here and have conversations we couldn't do that with the leadership team around us I mean we could um, but I we may not have the same impact and the reason I say that is um, people can stop our podcast and come back and listen to it a little bit later Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or continue it they get to we get to meet them where they are Mm -hmm. in an environment where they can learn the best and I think that's what, what it's all about. Uh, back then, we, you got to go out and talk to other people. That was my generation. Right. Go talk to people. Now, it's the interaction is in the social media arena, and that's what we have to do. We have to meet people where they are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. very important. So let's just, the last thing I want to talk about today is our health.
1: Oh, boy. And
0: <laughs> as this... <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Both Art and I have had some health challenges, so Uh um, that's why we're laughing. Uh, um, If a leader isn't healthy, at some point, it's very difficult for them to add value in in most cases, to add value to the team. Would you share with us about the importance of maintaining your health in our overachieving society that we have today?
1: Yeah, you know, this is um, I'll share with our listeners that I learned this the hard way. And what that means is when I started down the servant leadership path, um, I poured all my energies into helping people, uh, helping them start the transformation. And I wasn't successful across the board. Um, But if you want to be there to add value to people. You've got to think of it as the long-term, not the short-term, okay? So we talk about that in business all the time, short-term results versus long-term results. That applies to transformation as well as you as a leader. Do you just want to go through it for the short-term or do you want to go for the long-term? And I let my health get so bad that one year um, in the conference, uh, I didn't show up, and that's back when we—I think we started the conferences on a Monday, uh, so we had the gathering on a Monday night. And we had Dick Enberg coming, we had uh, Bill Walton coming. I mean, this was the conference to go to. I mean, Dick Enberg was my hero. Oh my! I mean, <laughs> he was my one of my heroes. Bill Walton. Yeah. I followed UCLA basketball. I mean, this was this was it. I wasn't feeling great. So I went to see the doctor that morning and I was looking for the magic pill. Give me the magic pill. I'll, I'll get through the conference. Then I'll start thinking about my health. And I'd done that for multiple years. I didn't, I didn't care about my health. Gained a lot of weight, um, and went to the doctors and the doctor said, you have 104 temperature, you're going to the hospital. Now, this is the way I was thinking at the time. The doctor said, you have a choice. You can go in an ambulance, or you can drive to the hospital. Now, I was thinking about getting down to San Diego to go to this conference, so I said, "Car ambulance. I'll get better treatment, faster treatment, if I go in an ambulance." So I said, "Throw me in the ambulance, right?" Because I I needed (laughs) to go down there. (laughs) So (laughs) stubborn. So we got there. They they wheeled me in, and I ended up sitting on a gurney, laying on a gurney in the hallway because they were so busy.
2: Uh
1: huh. Um and they finally started treating me and somewhere along the way I lost consciousness that afternoon or, or was being told that I'd have to check in the hospital I think it was I, I needed to go check in the hospital and the doctor says you need to stay here we need to take care of you find out what's going on and get your temperature down because we think you have an infection so I had to call Robin. I don't know. Were you on that call?
0: Mm, I wasn't on that call, yeah. but we we talked. You don't remember? Yes. But we talked that evening. And
1: you know, I had to tell Robin, I'm not showing up for the conference. You're going to have to do this on your own. And I was scheduled to talk. And I said, I'm, I I can't make it. I'm in the hospital. Now Ken always said that. Your leadership is measured not by what your people do when you're there. It's measured by what your people do when you're not there. And he reminded me of that after I got out of the hospital. Because he was there. He said, your Mm -hmm. team did great. So I lost consciousness that night and started fighting for my life. Um, I have all kinds of stories. I had a conversation that night, I think. Was that the night I had a conversation with Dick Enberg and you and, and Bill? Or was that the next day?
0: I think it was the next day with um, Dick and, and Bill.
1: Yeah. I don't remember that conversation. In fact, you guys came to visit me three weeks later in the hospital and said, hey, they really enjoyed your conversation. I said, what conversation? I had no idea. I was in the hospital for 30 days, by the way. That's how bad it was. And I lost consciousness. Um, I woke up on Thursday. I went in Monday afternoon. I woke up on Thursday. And Lori was there, my wife, sitting next to me. And I said, we need to get to the conference. You don't know, get my clothes. I need to get down there. And she said, honey, the conference is over. I said, no, no, no. It just got started. I need to get down there. And she said, um, it's not Tuesday. It's Thursday. And I said, what? She said, you've basically been in a coma for a couple of days. We didn't know if you were going to make it. And it took me a while to let that sink in um and when i started hearing stories about what my family went through during those three days um, that's when it hit me that i don't ever want them to go through that again i put them through hell for three days Lori stayed by my side during that time frame, and I think almost a year later, she told me of a story. That that night they were trying. I had hooked up to everything, and I woke up and started tearing things, you know, all the sensors and stuff, tearing them off my body. And she said, "What are you doing?" Alarm's going off, and,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I don't have to stay here anymore." And she says, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, Texas Instrument just bought the hospital." And since it's changed hands, I don't need to stay here anymore. I feel bad laughing. TI (laughs) was one of our vendors, right, at Datron. I'm going. And I said, she said, what are you talking about? I said, it's all in the emails. Have them read the emails. And I'm ripping stuff off. Alarms are going off. And she says, she finally got me to calm down. And she's taken my cell phone from me. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's in the email. She said, okay, here's your cell phone. Show me the email. And I'm going through the emails and somewhere along the line, I realized that I was really the fool in the room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when she told me that story, I said, my work was so ingrained deep inside me that that's all I could think about, even when I was laying in that bed, struggling for life. And if you go through that as a leader, you can't give that time back to your family. You can't give it back. All you can do is say, I'm never gonna let them go through that again, ever. So today, I see my doctor every four months. I get go through a bunch of tests every year. My A1C is five. Um, vitamin D I take every day. I have, you've seen me, I've got it here in the studio. I've got my, what I call the morning cocktail that has powdered vitamins and prebiotics, postbiotics. And I drink it every morning. And I take care of myself. Now, I still struggle with weight. I've, I'm down, I'm almost 200 pounds. Um, and that's still a struggle. But you know, we've got to take care of ourselves as leaders. If we want to serve people and be there for the long term,
0: mm-hmm.
1: be there for the long term for your family first. Yeah. Right, and, and you'll be there for the long term for everybody else you serve. Um, but I had to go through that. Like I said, I was in the hospital for 30 days I got out, and I'll share with you guys, I couldn't walk without a walker. Um, I walked around the hospital, could make it once around, but when I got home, I had to have a walker to get around the house. Um, and I think it was about six months before I got back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that time frame um, i I still don't think I know all the stories that Lori and my kids went through because they really don't want to share it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my son had was traveling and he got home and he came to see me and I was unconscious um, and he asked the doctor, "So what's going on? And doctor, all this medical terms, he says, just tell me what's going on. And he says, well, your dad's in a car. He's got the hose from the muffler in the car and his carbon dioxide is taking over his body. My oxygen, when I checked in, was at 30% in my blood. And the nurses were asking, Lori, what does your husband do during the day? And she says, he goes to work. And they said, well, how does he do that? Because his oxygen levels was in the mid-30s in his bloodstream. He says, well, he gets up and goes to work. And they were flabbergasted at how I could do that. Um, today I measure my oxygen every day
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm somewhere between 94 to 99% mm-hmm. every day. And if I drop it below 90, it, it's an alarm bell for me. Mm-hmm. There's no way it's getting back to the, to the lower level. So I can sit here and tell you all kinds of stories. Yeah. But the main thing is take care of yourself, do it for your family or the people you love the most first. And then it will roll over into work, and you'll be there for the long term to positively impact and add value to people's lives, starting with those that you love the most. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And, and if you're in a position where you have influence over things like, um, you know, little things that would be helpful for your employees to be healthier, please take advantage of that. If you see people outside walking around the building, don't get, you know, upset about that. Right. They're doing it because they need to, because their bodies need to. And uh, I know Art's seen me walk around the building many times. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's and it always allowed me that, so I thank you for that.
1: Yeah, and you know, people at times need to go through that walk, reflect, yeah, uh, talk. Um, I'm into boating now that's my sanctuary mm-hmm. and when i'm on the boat down the docks i'm in the world <laughs> that i love and i guarantee you i'm not thinking about work and challenges i'm thinking about what needs to be fixed on a boat what can i do yeah. that day yeah and sometimes i'm just relaxing sometimes i write um, but a lot of times it's just reflection because it's a peaceful peaceful environment and you get to meet a whole bunch of nice people
2: yeah.
1: and so take care of yourself, that's what's really important, Um, because if you don't, you're not going to be around to hear the stories of how you've influenced people's lives, and that's the best return for me, knowing that I'm doing what I'm doing, what I'm supposed to be doing is when I hear the stories of how people have been impacted by what we do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, once again, we've come to the end of our time over Chapter 5, and we will see you next month discussing Chapter 6. The Art of the Servant Leadership 2. Art, I want to thank you. Great being here. Yeah, yep. my Good, pleasure. Great way to kick off our day for sure, guys. So thank you for listening, everybody. And this is the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. Signing off.
1: Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.